Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful. We gather here with grateful hearts, mindful of the grace that makes it possible. We give financially because of the grace that makes it possible. We live by the grace that you've made possible. Help us now to understand your word that we might live rightly and be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would go ahead and be seated. This year we're we're, we're talking about seeing what God can do. And the the invitation is come see what God can do. And we know that God can transform lives. He is transforming lives. And we get to be a part of it as we impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. Over the next five weeks, we, we want to We want to see what what God desires for us. That's what we're going to focus on these next few weeks. You know, our our world is changing. So much is different. One thing does not change, and that is God. God Almighty does not change, and His desires for us does not change. When we think about the desires that God has for us, there's five that we focus on as a family of faith. And they, they are symbolized in the cross of Jesus Christ. We use what we call the disciples' cross as the fundamental way of, of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There are five activities that we commit to, that we engage in because the Bible teaches us so clear that we are to do them. We are to gather for worship. We're to make more disciples. We're to equip for growth. We are to serve the church and the world. And we are to connect in groups. God's word plainly communicates this to us. And what we're going to see over the next five weeks is how God desires these for us and why it is he desires these for us and, and why each one of these is so very important. It's not, it's not enough that we do just one. We must be faithful to constantly and consistently be engaged in all five of these activities to experience what God truly desires for us. Now today... Today we're going to talk about the fact that God desires for us to gather for worship. Remember, human beings are made to worship. Every person on this planet right now is worshiping. Everyone is worshiping something or someone. And what we choose to worship, and we all make that choice, whatever it is we choose to worship, whoever it is we choose to worship, that will define us. It'll make us who we are and and determine ultimately what it is we become. And so it's important to understand what it is we're worshiping and understand what worship is. So generally speaking, when you're just talking about general worship, what, what does that mean? It means that it's to regard something or someone with extravagant, I like that word, extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Now, we as Christians, we experience Christian worship. It's very specific. Our worship is to regard God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit with extravagant respect, honor, and devotion. Now as Christians, we we understand that worship really is a way of life. It's just how we live to the glory of God. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Living for Jesus in the name of Jesus 
is an act of worship. And we're commanded in scripture, no matter what we do, we are to do it all for the glory of God. And so our way of life is worship. But we also understand as Christians that worship is an event. It's a specific activity. Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 verse 7 says, on the first day of the week, Sunday. Why Sunday? Because that's the day Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We gather on the first day of the week to celebrate Jesus and his resurrection. That's what they did in the early church. It's what the Bible teaches. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together, they came together in the same geographical location to break bread. They received the Lord's Supper as we have this morning. Paul talked with them. Paul was preaching. There's always praise and prayer and preaching. But I, I want you to note this and I want you to appreciate me a little bit more, all right? Intending to part in the morning and he prolonged his speech until midnight. He preached till midnight. No complaints about how long I preach, ever. It's over, all right? If we go to midnight, you can say something. Until then, zip it. But this is what happens. Sunday, it's this crucial event in the life of every Christian as we come together to praise God. Now, last week, if you weren't here last week, make sure you go online and listen to Pastor David's sermon on praise. Fantastic job. Uh, One of the ways we praise God is by regularly gathering every Sunday with the church that we're a part of to praise God in worship. Now, our text speaks to the importance of this, of gathering for worship every Sunday. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. I I read this several weeks uh, throughout the summer to encourage our congregation to regather because I, I was concerned that we lost focus. And this morning, I'm gonna preach from that text, although I'm gonna start in verse 23. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. We're in Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm gonna read from verses 23 through 25 and then preach from it, God willing. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated and now pray for the preaching of God's word. Understand, worship is a sacred gathering of the redeemed of God. It's a sacred gathering. It's holy. And it's made up of the redeemed of God. Before we talk about the sacred gathering, let's talk about what it means to be the redeemed of God. The redeemed of God are a particular people. It's not everybody. It's a particular people. The redeemed of God are those who understand God's design is harmony Peace with God, peace within, peace with everyone. But we, we recognize that we've sinned and we've disrupted that harmony. Our sin has not only broken our relationship with God, but it's broken us. It's broken our hearts and minds. That's what sin does. And, and with broken hearts and broken minds and a broken relationship with God, we can't help but break each other and break those relationships and cause that pain. It's what sin does. 
But God in his grace did not abandon us in sin. The gospel, the good news that we believe is that God himself became one of us. What we celebrated in the Lord's Supper died for our sins. So now we can repent, that is turn away from that life of sin and brokenness and we can believe in Jesus Christ, in the resurrected God who loves us. And having been made alive in him, we will live with him forever. And as we are making our way home to heaven, we're now pursuing and recovering God's design. And a big part of God's design is gathering with God's redeemed people, our church family, for worship every single Sunday. It is a sacred gathering. It is a coming together of God's people who have been made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, during the COVID pandemic, we've done all that we can do to, to connect our family together. And one of the things that we did the very first Sunday was to, was to create a, a, a virtual venue, a, a way for our congregation to hear the preaching of God's word, to praise together, to pray together. And we did that virtually. We understand even today, there are those who cannot gather because of physical limitations, health limitations. And so there are many right now, hundreds that are worshiping with us virtually. Uh, what, what is most ideal is not virtual. It's not wrong, it's just not ideal. What is ideal is this, in-person worship. Coming together and being together and praising God. Now, if you are a part of our virtual venue, uh, Pastor Jeremy right now is shepherding you. He's wanting to connect with you. He's, he's giving you uh, lots of information, content to the sermon. I, I wanna challenge you to do something. Those of you who are in this virtual um, experience right now, this virtual worship, I want to challenge you to begin to worship at least with one other family. Someone you trust, someone that you're comfortable with. Maybe it's a group of families. But gather. Gather together and worship together. If anything, it will get you out of your pajamas and get you to put some clothes on, all right? Which is important, by the way, for worship. You know, we, we had a, a, someone sent a picture and I think they thought they were just taking a picture of the room. I don't know if they didn't realize there was a mirror there, but we saw way too much of our brother in Christ. We don't want to see that. So we, we, we want to encourage all of our church family in some way to gather. Now it may be homes. It may be homes for the season, but at least gather with one other family. You'll be shocked at what it does to your mindset to brush your teeth before worship. It's amazing what happens when we put on clothes and we're mindful of the otherness of worship. And that's an important thing. And I think that's what we see in our text is this whole otherness. It's, it's, it's more than just us. It's, it's others with Jesus. You know, when we, when we gather together for this praise, for this, this important moment, we do it with a, with a promise. This privilege comes with a promise. This is Matthew 18, verse 20. Look what Jesus said. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Now, Jesus said this in the context of Matthew 18, where he was talking about the church 
experiencing peace, how the church lives in peace. And this part is attached to it. And it says something significant about a family of faith, a local church and how we are to live. We're to live in peace with one another and we are to gather together for worship and that the Lord Almighty is with us when we do that. And so that's why I want to challenge many of in our virtual venue to gather. Listen, video will do when there are no other options, but it is not ideal. Our, our oldest son, Jackson, is a senior this year at, at Alabama, and we can't see him as much as we want to. With COVID, there's, there's not only just the distance, but there's also a lot of other concerns. And so we FaceTime with him regularly. And I'm telling you, I'm so grateful for that technology. I'm grateful that I can set eyes on him and know that he's okay and, and know that, that he is well. But can I tell you, the plan right now is for Jackson to be home next weekend. Can I tell you that I'm going to try not to cry all weekend because there's something significant that happens when you're in space with one another. To be able to hug one another and, and, and to be able to see one another and talk to one another. There's something special about that. Is, is, is virtual, is it okay? Yeah, it's okay. It's not ideal. What's best and what God wants is for us to gather with other believers and bring him glory and praise and honor. God desires we gather for worship. And when we gather for worship, God desires we accomplish several things. And so I wanna give you four things that I see in our text today. And I wanna encourage you to take note of these and be mindful of each of our roles and responsibilities as we gather. So first, God desires we gather for worship to challenge one another to challenge one another. We are constantly going to be tempted to ignore God, to accept secularism, to lose hope in Christ alone. When we gather for worship, we are to challenge one another to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We challenge each other with our presence. When I see you here, it, it, it tells me that this matters to you. Knowing that you're going to be here makes me prepare and pray really hard, knowing that my part is going to bring a blessing. You need to come prepared and you need to be present. And your presence is gonna challenge other people. For 30 years now, I, I have worked all out almost every single morning except the Lord's Day. And the reason I've done that is because I knew that there was someone else who had committed to be at the place where I was going to be working out with them. I will be honest with you, if I, if I was just on my own, if it was just up to me on a rainy day, I'm sleeping in. I'm mailing that one in. I'm not going to go in and do the workout, even though it's good for me, even though it's right. Knowing that another person was going to be present somewhere looking for me, that we were going to engage in something that was good for us both, has gotten me to many, many workouts. So it is with worship. We challenge each other with our presence. We challenge each other with our participation. When we sing, when you sing, it inspires me to sing. I, I love praising God with our youngest son, Asher, because he sings about like me, horribly. Horribly. We sound terrible. It sounds like two cats fighting in an alley. Oh, praise the name of the Lord, our God. It's awful. But God loves it. And we love it. 
I remember the, the first Sunday uh, when we were doing this, this virtual thing and we were at home uh, together, Asher and I sat on the couch together and I just, I felt sorry for Carrie that she had to hear us praise. And I just see the remote, the volume going way up because we're just over there praising God. But when I hear him praise, even now with masks on, when I hear him praise, it makes me want to praise. Participation. We challenge each other, not only with presence, but with participation, and then also with our persistence. Sitting in this room right now are people who don't feel good. There's people here who have cancer. There are people here who have wiggling little ones. There are people who are facing financial challenges and relational distress. And when I see you here, it challenges me. It, incur- it helps me know this is right, this is good. Your, your presence, your participation, your persistence to say, you know what, no, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be a part of what God's doing. Friends, it honors God, it challenges us all. You know, if we don't do that, when we let each other down, uh, because we, we don't, we, we, we wanna do other things, Friends, understand, when you claim to be a Christian and a member of this church family, and you could be gathering for worship, but because it's inconvenient for you or because something else comes up, it hurts us all. It makes us think that, well, maybe this isn't worth my life. I mean, it's not worth their time. Is it really important? When, when there's no participation, when, when there's no engagement, when there's no praising and singing and, and, and responding to the word, it, it creates doubt. Friends, we have a responsibility not only to God, but to one another. And I love the one another's in this text alone. There's, there's, there's two times it speaks of the one another. And, and what we do for one another when we gather is we challenge each other with this confession of faith. What is our confession of faith? At the heart of it, it's very simple. And, and it can be seen in an acronym of the Greek word for fish. I don't know if you know this, but the symbol of the fish was early on a, a very powerful symbol for the church family. Not only did we have the cross, but we had the fish or the ichthus. Ichthus. It, it's an acronym in Greek. Jesus Christus Theus Huius Sater. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. When Christians would meet one another in a time of persecution and they would see one another and in, the, and in the dirt they would make that sign with their foot and step back and look and they would know if the other circled it, they would know, oh, there's another who holds to the confession that Jesus Christ, God's son, is Savior. And what we do when we gather the way we are this morning is we are announcing this truth We are reminding each other. We are challenging one another. We are loving one another by by holding to this statement of faith. We are challenging one another to hold to this truth. We gotta gotta challenge each other. We, we, We need each other. And we do that when we gather for worship. Second thing to note is this, I love this one. God desires we worship, for worship, God desires we gather for worship to stir one another to stir one and let us consider how to stir up one another. Now this word stir, it, it makes me smile. It, it, it's, it's really meant to shake us up, to impact, to, uh, to, to 
cause an emotional response, okay? If you, if you have children or if you've ever been around siblings, you understand this word. You understand this word to, speak, to be stirred because you know it's happening when they say, stop looking at me. Stop touching me. Mom. Here's what you can know in that moment. Siblings are stirring one another. They're causing a reaction. They're causing a change. They are shaking one another up. And that's a negative sense, but there's also a positive sense. You know, one of the things that's interesting about sports is the pep talk. You know, they, they've recorded uh, messages of coaches and players uh, before games, you know, yelling and spitting and screaming and crying and getting real low and, you know, all that stuff. And what they're doing is they're stirring one another up to, to perform. And, and this is what we're to do for one another. We're to stir one another up. Look at this. To love and good works. See, everyone in this room who's been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone we are each one, individually, amazingly, God's masterpiece, God's workmanship. And he has something for each one of us to do. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Friends, it's so easy to, to get satisfied in less than all that God wants us to do. And we need to stir one another up to these love and good deeds. I cannot tell you how many times in a regular, what I would call a regular worship service, how many leaders have been called up to serve the church in amazing ways. I mean, you think about the likes of Spurgeon on, on just a regular uh, snowy Sunday morning was called to preach and to be saved. And you think about uh, the different leaders over the years, Billy Graham, who was saved under the preaching of a good old Kentucky boy. I mean, all these leaders that were called, I mean, I think about our own church family. I see some of you and I can remember conversations when, when a sermon was preached and you felt the conviction of God's Holy Spirit and, and you knew God was saying, that's you, girl, that's you, man. That's you. Let's go. Step up. It's time for you to serve. It's time for you to do what God saved you to do. When we come to worship, we're stirring one another up to do the, the work of love and good deeds that God has planned for us. And listen, there's nothing like, there's nothing like this. There's something sacred that happens in this space right now at this time. Right now, people are praying for us. They're praying for me as I'm preaching to you right now. Now, that doesn't mean that the message is of no use if you watch it later. But there's something significant right now that's happening that will not happen at the next service. I'm saying stuff to you now I didn't say to the 8 o'clock. And I'm going to say stuff to the 11 o'clock that I'm not going to say. I don't know why it's the same outline. My mother asked me once, son, what, why are your sermons different? Is there something wrong? It's like, mom, I'm extemporaneous preacher. I don't know what to tell you. They're just different. God is at work in a unique way in every single service. And he stirs us all with what we need in that moment. And if you miss that moment, you can't get it back. Because we've got to stir one another. Third, God desires we gather for worship to encourage one another. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. You know, habits are important. You got to remember, the habits we form 
ultimately form us. I want you to remember that. The habits we form, the things that we do day in, day out, ultimately form us. You think about your eating habits. They form your waistline. Now, what happens is we get in habits of how we eat, how we exercise, or don't eat rightly, or don't exercise. Habits form us. And so it's very important that we understand the habits that we form. And it's obviously, according to the text here, easy to get in the habit of missing out on the gathering of worship. When COVID hit, that was one of my first concerns, was that so many of God's people would get out of this very important way of life. And I'm, I'm, I'm so concerned about many of my sheep, the Lord's sheep, who have already lost touch with the, with the family, with the flock. Some will be devoured by the evil one. Some will have to go through horrific pain to be mindful of their need of Jesus to come back. Friends, we must form these habits. And mom and dad, you have the great privilege of forming the habit of worship in the life of your child. You need to be teaching your children right now to gather for worship. When when I became a Christian, I... uh, I came to be a part of uh, Carrie's family. Uh, We were in high school, we were dating, and I was saved. And I began to attend worship. And I have to be honest with you, I thought they were a little fanatical, all right? I'm not going to lie. They went to church all the time. When we were uh, in high school, I actually went on vacation with them once. We went on vacation, and Sunday came around, and we went to church on vacation. I thought, these people have gone too far but they hadn't gone too far. This is normal. It's normal. And what they did for me is they taught me gathering for worship every Sunday morning with the church family is what Christians do. So when I went off to college my first year, a lot of times, uh, especially in the early few weeks, we had practice on Sunday afternoons at one o'clock. Well, I didn't have time to drive back and forth to be able to get back in time. So I had to go find the local church. Now remember, I know this is hard for some of you. There was no internet I had I'd seen this, this little Baptist church that was around the corner from the school, and I had to use this thing. I know young people are going to think, what is this? Google it later. It's called a phone book. It has the names and then telephone numbers that you picked up that were connected to a wire to call to find out what time the services started. And I went to that little Baptist church, and they were so good to me. And whenever I couldn't get back to my home church, I always went to that church. And they were looking for me. And they always were happy to see me. And my my brothers and sisters in Christ back home were saying, did you go to church today? Did you do the normal thing? They encouraged me to do the normal thing of worship. It's a habit. And one of the things I'm loving about our church family right now, especially as it pertains to families, let me tell you something I'm loving seeing. I'm loving seeing these children in our worship gatherings. Because here's what I know. Before COVID, so many children were only going to Sunday school and they weren't coming to worship. And that's not healthy, church. That's not healthy, families. What I'm loving seeing right now, I know this sounds weird, but sometimes, you know what I like to do? I just like to go to one of the windows and watch you guys come in. And I know some of you are thinking right now, what were we doing? Were we coming in this morning? It's fine. I don't, I don't picture the bad stuff. Although you smacked them in the head at just the right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I love to see the families come in together because before COVID, one of the things I didn't like 
is that families would get out of their cars and go in different directions. One of the things I'm loving seeing right now is families come into the gathering, sit together, and then I love watching you leave together. And there's something very right about that. There's something very beautiful about that. And those of you, I know it's a challenge when you have little ones. I get it, but we're so glad that they're here. And, and I love it when they, they scream out because it wakes up some of the people that I have so well put to sleep. And it's great. This is what we do. We're, we're forming these habits. It's so crucial. Last thing, last thing. God desires we gather for worship to remind one another. We encourage one another to gather. And all the more, look at this, as you see the day, capital D, drawing near. See, every Sunday is a reminder that Jesus has been raised from the dead. We worship on Sunday because it's the Lord's day, the day he was raised. Every Sunday, we look back and we remember what Christ done. That's what we did with the Lord's Supper even today. We're also reminded of what God is doing. God right now is saving sinners. He's restoring his glory throughout the earth through the praise of his people. Uh, as people are coming to saving faith, they're being baptized. I'm excited that this morning, as we're beginning our first gathering, our worship gathering in the recreation center, there's a baptism that's happening in there this morning. And it's so cool to me that this inaugural service is beginning with a baptism because it reminds us that someone has been saved. Jesus is on his throne. God is doing what he always does. He's calling his people to himself and he's saving them and they're proclaiming him. And this, my friends, is good. Listen, Jesus promised he would die and be raised. Jesus promised he would save sinners. Jesus also promised that he was gonna come back. John 14, one through three. This is a good one to memorize. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Every Sunday we're reminded that the day, the capital D, the day of the Lord is closer. Jesus is coming back. And we need to be mindful of that because we're so easily distracted. I don't know about you. I'm easily distracted right now with politics. I'm easily distracted with news nationally, internationally. I'm easily distracted with problems and pain and, and all kinds of disagreements and personal wants. Here's what we need to remember. Jesus is coming back. We will all stand before him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. I must ask you, are you ready to give an account to the Lord today? If you don't mind, bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. Let me ask you to picture this. If the trumpet were to be sound right now, and the dead in Christ were to be raised, and then we who are here were left to be raised, would you be raised right now at the return of Jesus? Or would you be left behind to face the judgment and wrath of God? I want you to think about this moment. If the Lord does not return, probably at one point, before you know it, you're gonna probably be lying in a bed 
and you're going to feel your heart giving out. I want, you to, I want you to just close your eyes. Think about that moment. It's just you. Your eyes are closed. You feel your body giving away. You feel your heart. And then you feel yourself breathe out the very last breath you will ever breathe. Friends, what happens to you the moment you die? Do you go to be with the Lord forever? Or do you go to judgment to be separated from hope forever? Friends, if you want, if you want to be saved, if you want to know that you know that you know, talk to God right now and say something like this. God, I have sinned and I'm sorry. I believe that Jesus died to pay for that sin and has been raised. Jesus, forgive me and take over my life. If that's really what you desire in your heart, then you have been saved. And you now need to be baptized and you now need to be discipled. Some of you are disciples of Jesus Christ, but let me ask you, are you faithful? Are you faithful to gather for worship? Are you faithful in what God has called us to do and be? Renew again your faith commitment to Christ to be faithful. To be discomforted for the glory of God. Lord, we thank you for this time. It's sacred. Thank you for the faithfulness of those who are here. Thank you for the little ones who are here who are learning. Thank you for all of us as your flock gathered under you, our great shepherd. And now, Lord, we ask that you would bless us. I ask God that, that those who have not yet been saved, that, that today's words will linger deep in their heart and that gospel seed will produce fruit and at some point they will believe. For those who have not yet been baptized, made that public profession of faith as a, as a believer, experiencing baptism as a believer, that they would be baptized. And Lord, that we would be found faithful as a congregation to gather for worship to your, to your praise. Lord, do that for your glory and our blessing. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.